You are listening to the Passion City Church podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Um, Allison is, uh, as I mentioned already, a part of the team that stewards are giving at Passion City Church, looks over our budget, uh, helps make big decisions we make, like are we gonna go down to Trillith and rent this production studio and invest the money it takes to turn it into something that feels like a gathering spot. And she's a part of the team who serves in that capacity, but she's also a mom, has amazing family. Uh, She's from Atlanta. Uh, has a track record in banking in our city, was a CFO of a very well-known bank in Atlanta, and currently is the CFO of a global asset management firm uh, looking after lots of people's money. Um, And so um, welcome today, and thanks for being willing to share with us today. I'm pumped. I am too. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Tell us a little bit of your story. So how did you get to... uh, to be the CFO of a global asset management uh, firm and tell us a little bit of your story just from maybe beginning to end, a little snapshot. Ooh, okay, I'll make it a quick snapshot beginning to end. Uh, so grew up in Atlanta, um, as Pastor Louis said, and uh, grew up uh, actually two families. Um, my parents divorced when I was young and remarried when I was young, so I kind of went back and forth between two houses and a lot of hardworking parents. Um, everybody worked, and um, so I kind of, I, I think, had the uh, opportunity to see the value of hard work early in my life uh, with entrepreneurs and those just kind of making it happen every day. Uh, and kind of fast forward through that, uh, I think I always knew I'd go into business because of that. I really didn't see um, that anybody did anything different. So in a way, it felt just expected, or at least I expected it of, my, of myself. Had an affinity for, for math, numbers, uh, was a math major in college, and uh, found myself in banking coming right out of school. I joined the, uh, the old credit training program at SunTrust Bank uh, in the late 90s, and uh, that really was the start of my career in finance. Um, made my way kind of through banking and now into asset management, so about 25 years in finance. Wow, you told me, and because of those things, that you think about money 24-7. And um, it's interesting because you, uh, when you said that, I said, I think a lot of people probably think about money 24-7. Uh, we got a little chuckle here at Trillis, so maybe some people are thinking about money a lot. Maybe other people don't think about money at all, but it's in your DNA. I mean, obviously, it's part of your responsibility. But I'm interested to know, Allison, how you, you live in this macro financial world, and I'm guessing you watch the markets all day and understand what's happening globally. Uh, overnight, something happened, and you need to know about it when you wake up in the morning, and then as soon as you're going to sleep, you need to already be kind of ahead of the curve for the next day. How has your understanding of the macro picture of finance in the world informed your view of the kingdom finance of God, and how has your understanding of the kingdom finance of God informed your view of the macro finance, the real finance in the world? Yeah, it's a big question, and it is. It's one I kind of think about and I wrestle with all the time because 
I do think about money 24-7. I wish I didn't. I mean, it's almost an affliction. Uh, but my whole career has been about lending money, managing money, creating money, helping people manage their money, helping institutions raise money. Uh, and, and then as a CFO of, of two public companies now, it's all I, I'm responsible for money all day. Um, and I wrestle with that sometimes because I, I actually would love, I mean, Sunday is like a day of rest in a lot of ways because <laughs> the markets are closed, uh, and, and I appreciate that. Um, but the crypto is going strong even on yes, Sundays. Yes, crypto is going strong, and Asia opens here shortly, um, and so I do start <laughs> to pay attention to that. <laughs> when I go to bed, um, you know, it's, it's time for Hong Kong to get going later this evening, and so there, there's only a small window of rest in that. Uh, but it, it is one that I have, to, I have to put it in perspective a lot. Um, when I started out, I, I definitely felt like the macro economy was it. Um, and really through, I would say, the 2008 financial crisis was where uh, it was a turning point for me in a lot of different ways. I mean, it was impactful. Uh, I'm not sure how much people realize we were truly on the brink, but we were on the brink um, uh, as an economy. And I started to see how, I always think of it as the blood in the circulatory system. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the financial economy is blood in the circulatory system, not just in the United States, but in the global economy. And when yeah. it stops flowing, the body seizes up. And that was sort of what 2008 was. We got right there without intervention. It would have been rather disastrous. And it felt so big and so heavy. And I would come home at night thinking the world's about to end. And it wouldn't. And you know, you wake up the next morning, you're like, that the sun still came up. I mean, the, God's got this. Like, it, it, you know, and I had a small baby at the time too. And it was like, this is not everything. And it started through that time, I would say, was when my own sort of thought process, I mean, I was a believer going into that, but coming through it, started to really put it in context mm -hmm. that the macro economy is really a subset of the kingdom economy. I used to think of it as the other way around. There's the macro economy, there's a circulatory system, we make money flow, and you know, there are lots of powerful people, not just in this country, but throughout the world, and we really bring money to all the places that need it. And the kingdom economy is a subset of that, that's church. And through that time period, I started to see it, it completely upside down. The kingdom economy, it, it, we're all just, the macro economy is just a subset of, of God's economy. Great. We just fit into that. Uh, it, it, it's true, it's truth, but it does take a moment when you live in the world of finance and you see a lot of people who, you know, everybody thinks they're a god in some way, I think, in, in this big sort of, you know, financial economy that mm. they're making it happen, but we're not. We're playing a small little role in the kingdom economy, and there's a lot of good that can come from that, too. You know, right now, everything is a headline um, of doom. It seems like you have to scroll a long way through your news feed to find anything yeah. uh, inspiring. Everything's negative, and now it's the, the economy. Inflation, the markets are down, most people's portfolios are down 20, 30%, crypto's in the tank, and you know, gonna be in crypto winter for a while maybe. And everything you see, gas prices, employment numbers. Food. Interest rates are going up, and it's just fear, 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 fear everywhere. What, what do you, I'm not asking for personal financial advice, and we're not asking for personal financial advice, yeah. but what should, what should our posture be when every single financial headline is about gloom and doom? Yeah. 
Uh, look, first of all, um, headlines are created to actually get our interest. So we have to kind of remember and put all that in context, just like everything else um, that you read about. Um, we're all looking for headlines these days. And I will say it's confusing. I mean, it is like, are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? How can we be adding jobs, but also in a recession? And this whole inflationary impact is real and we all feel it. Um, and it is confusing. And you could get really fearful because it feels um, uncharted. And it is. Um, we are in a bit of a different environment than we've ever been in. Um, but we weren't designed to be fearful. Um, and uh, this, is, this is not uh, the whole story. The headlines are not the whole story. Um, I was in Psalm 3 uh, earlier this week, and uh, the verse that I lie down and I go to sleep, I wake again because the Lord sustains me. And just that reminder Beautiful. that he sustains us and that his mercies are new every morning, um, and the idea that, too, I lie down, I wake again, not because I did anything, but because the Lord sustains me. And really putting the headlines in that context, too, um, that he sustains us through this. Uh, this is yet a small blip and really the bigger story he has for us and the role we play in it. I, well, I think a lot of people look at you and they're like, oh, okay, you, you know, they probably categorize you pretty quickly and size you up. You're the CFO of this global asset management firm. And um, okay, that's, that's one kind of person. But I, I love how you said it pretty quickly, but you grew up with a single working mom for a few uh, trying years, to yes. make ends meet for a few years mm -hmm. until your mom remarried. Mm -hmm. And so you've been on a long journey. And I wonder if you could just give us maybe a few of the broad strokes of your journey of generosity and how generosity has come to be a central value for you and for Billy, for your family. Yeah. Well, and even when my mom remarried, it was still, we were still making ends meet month to month there for a long time um, and did see, again, that value of just hard work and um, really prioritizing what was important as a family. Uh, and I saw, I saw generosity. Um, in secret more when I was growing up. Um, and I think there was a bit of a value of doing that in secret. Um, I've evolved in my own sort of view on that um, and what that looks like. And I'd say Billy and I both feel like it, it's, it, yes, there are some things we want to do in secret, but we wanna live our lives in such a way where it's just very obvious that, that's, that we're giving our whole lives away. Um, I don't want that to be a secret. I want it to be very clear um, that we're giving our whole lives away. And I, I had shared with Pastor Louis um, recently that I had reflected on something I found in my desk um, when I was uh, leaving the bank a few years ago, when the bank was heading uh, to a different city and I, uh, we chose to stay here. And I had pulled something out of my desk, a piece of paper that I'd put in my desk when I started in 1997. Um, which, by the way, we had um, email that only worked on the floor. So I was on like the fourth floor. I could email people in the cubicle, you know, 10, 10 cubicles down, but I couldn't actually email anyone to the fifth floor or the third floor or anywhere else. So as my kids now call it the 1900s. So when I started in the 1900s, um, when email only went to the floor, uh, I put this note in my desk and moved around desk to desk to desk, and it just stayed in this file for a long time. But I wrote down... Give more than you get, leave more than you take. And 
it really, I don't know why that was on my heart um, at a rather you know, young, mm -hmm. early stage, but it was. The idea that I'm here to give more than I'm going to receive. I'm going to receive a paycheck. That's sort of the, the, the social contract we have here, that I, I'll work, you'll pay me, but I'm gonna give more than I get, and I wanna leave more than I take. And I had an idea that I was here to make the organization better than I found it. I didn't create it, I'm just passing through it. And I had an opportunity to steward whatever was given to me to steward. And that actually I think has really sort of defined how I think about all of what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm here to make whatever I touch a little bit better than I found it if I could steward it um, and just leave something more than it gives me, then, then job well done. <laughs> that, and, and I think about that not just with my work, certainly um, the role in the finance oversight team, really everything we do, we have this opportunity yeah. to give just a little more than we're receiving um, and to leave everything just a little bit better than we find it. Well, it's two people who have both journeyed through the 1900s. Um, <laughs> I feel like uh, I want to take just a little side note for a second because I think that value might be waning a little bit now as we're coming into this new era of someone showing up at their job and putting a note in the drawer that says, I want to leave this place better yeah. than I found it. I think people, a lot of people now are coming into jobs going, uh, I'm going to be here as long as you make me better. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I feel like there's somebody else who can make me better than you can make me better, then I'm going to go over there with those people versus I, I, when I walk out of this place, I want to make sure that I have left it better than I found it. I, I was so moved by that, I wrote it down. Um, what you said, you said, I want to give more than I get, and I want to leave more than I take. That's a whole, that's a whole life mindset right there, yeah. not just a financial generosity mindset. Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, you know, we're not here to take. Um, I think we're reminded in First Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? Nothing. I have nothing that I didn't receive. It was all given to me already. Mm. Uh, I'm not here to take more. I'm here to continue to, to return and to bless others. And I think everything we do, with all of our interactions, everyone we touch during the day, every, every drive-through, uh, every store we enter, we have an opportunity just to, to leave something, to give somebody something. I agree, it's not really the mindset we're surrounded by um, increasingly. Uh, but that doesn't have to be the case. We have the opportunity to change that. We have the opportunity to make everything we touch just a little bit better. And it's a lot of what we are spending a lot of time as a family thinking about. How do we as a family do that in a way that we use the gifts that are given to us? Um, you have talked in the past, and I've always loved it, that um, you, you remind us that work is a form of worship. It is using the gifts that God has bestowed us to actually return them to him in some way. We're all gifted in different ways. We all uh, have something to share. Um, and the way in which we can use that as a form of worship to say, Lord, there's nothing I have that I didn't receive from you, absolutely nothing. So how can I use these gifts that you have so generously bestowed upon me to return them back to you? Um, and Isaiah, we're reminded that he formed us in the womb to be his servant. 
He didn't form us in the womb to come and take as much as we can from this world and take as much as we can from wow. each other. He formed us to be his servant and to serve with all the gifts in which he's given us. So powerful. Your family's obviously woven into the life of our house. And uh, I've heard you talk about the community of Passion City Church, but you also see um, the whole story. You see the books and you see what people give and you see how we spend that money and steward that money. And um, I, I just would love for you to talk a little bit about Passion City Church from your point of view. People already know yeah. my point of view, but uh, talk a little bit about the house, both the community of it and what you see of our house from serving uh, on the financial oversight team. Yeah, we love this community. We really do. And I love, I have to say, it's my first time to Trillith. Um, and I love that it's a community here. And we started out at 515. We kind of bounce between 515 and Cumberland now because I have two teenagers who want to be here, there, and everywhere with all their friends. Uh, but it's a community and a community of people who come alongside each other. And from the very first time we walked in the doors, uh, we felt that um, people came alongside us that very first Sunday and said, here's where you go for Bloom and here's where you go for Passion Kids. And, you know, we started to see some familiar faces and we decided we're going to lean in. Um, and we did. We leaned in and kids really helped with that, too. Uh, our kids created their own communities and they really do have their own community here at Passion uh, after all these years. Um, but we get the opportunity then to really come alongside and see all the ways in which we serve the city. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that Billy and I love the most. You know, um, as a house, we are for God, for people, for our city, and for the world. And I really love those four pillars and the fact that we do have an opportunity to really remind ourselves in the way in which mm -hmm. we worship uh, the way in which we give, um, that we are not just for God and for people, which, by the way, would be enough. Um, it would be enough. But we're also for the city and for the world. And, uh, you know, I do think, um, let me come back to on, on the finance side. Let me say uh, part of the, what's really neat about what we do, and for those of you that haven't been at Passion for a long time or it's your first above and beyond season, um, we actually, above and beyond, does not go towards the operating budget for the church. The operating budget is um, sustained through the weekly giving. Above and beyond is really truly about the opportunity we have to really go beyond. Trillith being the beyond um, that's so tangible mm -hmm. sitting here, uh, but also the ways in which we can go beyond and bless so many partner agencies. So from a financial oversight perspective, it's in a lot of ways, it's really easy. It's really fun because the team is fantastic. This is a, you have an outstanding leadership team and it's a really well-run organization. Uh, so that makes it easy. Uh, but everything we do is prayed over. I mean, we pray together as a financial oversight team every three weeks. Um, we get on a Zoom call from our various offices early in the morning on Thursday mornings and we pray together. We pray over gifts, we pray over the budget, we pray over every decision. Um, you are very thoughtful, I think, as a team about seeking counsel and wisdom uh, from each other, but also from business leaders, um, from people that are in real estate and finance and um, who can offer some perspective and no one's afraid to change their mind and really mm -hmm. wait and be patient and wait on the Lord to show us what the next direction is. Um, it, it is it, it's really an example of how a lot of organizations should work, frankly. Uh, but yes, it's a community. And as a community, you invite the community in, parts of the community to help to say, 
how can we make sure that we really are stewarding what God has given us? Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I think that, I, I love that you touched on that idea that above and beyond really is above and beyond for a few years. And it seems like Passion City Church has been around forever, but on a week-to-week schedule with the kids ministry in a place you can drop your baby we're really about 10 years old as a church and people think man passion's been around forever it's like we're kind of just coming into our adolescence really as a church and for the first uh, few generosity sundays that's what above and beyond used to be called we did take the generosity sunday giving and use it for operational costs because we had to to. but we were uh, very disciplined in our budgeting and our expenses so that we could get to the point where above and beyond is truly above and beyond and if you didn't know how is this all going to work on uh, next sunday well we don't have a goal and i know that's weird it's not a building campaign, and I know that's kind of weird, and we don't have a big, you know, thermometer when you walk in the building, and, and on the next Sunday, everybody will know whether we met our goal or not. Our goal is that each individual person at our church would say to God, do you want me to be a part of your kingdom in this way? And if he says yes, then you would say, well, what do you want me to do? And then if he speaks to you, that you would do what he wants you to do. I know for Shelly and me, we always do this separately, and then we come together. We had our come together on Friday at lunch, and it was awesome. And we finally got to the moment where we were like, all right, what do you think? And she said, uh, what do you think? And I said, well, I'm kind of thinking this. And she said, I have a specific number in mind, and it's this. And then we had some conversation, and now we're going to pray together a little bit that we've got a, a, a touch point uh, for our, our, our decision but we want to put that money into the hands of God. And a few real practical things. We're going to be able to touch a lot of people in Atlanta and in D.C. and around the world because of Above and Beyond Sunday. And some of that we know right away what we want to do. Uh, we know what partners we want to support. But a lot of it we don't know yet. And you're like, well, why would I give to something I don't know yet? Um, because this is how God wants to position his church. So when the conflict in Ukraine happened this year, no one had planned for that. No, nobody had budgeted for that. But because of above and beyond, we had our cupboards full. And so we were instantly able, with the financial oversight team's blessing, to uh, give $150,000 away like in the first few weeks to three partners of ours who are doing uh, immediate relief for refugees who are displaced from Ukraine. Uh, since, we've been able to give a lot more than that, and I think Passion City Church has given somewhere around $400,000 to help support people who have been displaced from their country or to help fund a field hospital um, in Ukraine. Why? Because we could. Well, well, why could you? Because our house is a generous house. And um, I'm going to put up, I think we have a slide of some of the partners that we want to yeah. support uh, this year. The ones in black on the bottom are D.C. partners, and the ones above are either global partners or uh, partners here in the city. And Allison, I want you to look through the list and just pick out one and talk about which one you want to talk about. Oh, I don't know if I can talk about just one, but I'll try. Uh, let's two. see. Okay. So what I love about this list is when I come back to, we're for God, for people, for the city, for the 
the world. You see it all up here. Um, for people, you may not see, but you should know we support people in this house. I mean, we've mm -hmm. been hearing stories over this past week of when we have stepped in to support some of the people in our house who have had a hard time and have lost jobs and are having a hard time making their mortgage payments. I mean, this is a house that quietly steps in and takes care of each other. But here you can see a list of where we're for the city and for the world. Um, I'll talk about, I mean, Beloved Benefit, that's a great organization that's really moving into the West Side and um, really thinking about all the different organizations and really kind of a pass-through entity in a lot of ways, supporting a lot of the agencies on the West Side um, that are working in some of the most challenged parts of our city in Atlanta. Um, what I love too, though, is where is it, Ethne? Um, Ethne is a clinic in Clarkston, which is one of the most diverse cities, if not the most diverse city um, in the United States. It is um, a city where many immigrants are relocated, many refugees are there, um, many, many, many different languages walking through there, and um, really through people in our house um, that are supporting that agency, we are coming alongside and blessing them with our gifts. Uh, Illuminations. Um, Illuminations is an organization that we care a lot about. Um, we are working to finish translating the Bible in every last remaining language on earth, um, which is incredible. Um, you talk about being for the world, making sure that there's no one on this planet that doesn't have scripture in their heart language. And the right. work's going to be finished in our lifetime. And the opportunity that we have, as a church have to come alongside that and finish the work, um, I get excited because I think, well, then let's make sure those Bibles and all those languages are sitting in the clinic in Ethne, in mm. Clarkston, so that everybody who passes through our city, really our region, um, has the opportunity to hear the word in their heart language. Um, this is one where, and, and look, the way in which we're supporting women and children through the various um, uh, Mother's Advocacy Project and the Cobb Pregnancy Services. I mean, what an incredible opportunity we have to support women, uh, both here in Atlanta and in D.C. Uh, we're not really picking and choosing. We're actually coming alongside people in our house that are already engaged with so many of these organizations. Yeah. We don't have to go out and find agencies, people are sitting right among you here and in other locations that this is their life's work and we get to come alongside them and help support them. And I think that makes it even more powerful. Yeah, I love it. Uh, a lot of Sundays, uh, our friends from A Better Way are here at Trillith, an incredible organization helping uh, guys put their lives back on track and yeah. uh, move toward God's plans for their lives. And um, I think maybe my favorite Sundays are Sundays preaching when um, our A Better Way friends are here at Trillith. It's really an honor and a blessing for me to be able to do that. God Behind Bars, the first time we're uh, supporting this organization, they are working with churches to put locations like a, at Trillith, but the at Trillith would be in a prison. And so um, on a Sunday, the inmates come to church, but it's not just the church at prison, it's a church from the community with a location in the prison. And uh, they don't have the relationship with the state of Georgia yet to have uh, churches in Georgia prisons, but they're working on it. And it'd be pretty awesome if that were in our future at some point. Mm -hmm. But they have an incredible app that's available on 
iPads through the entire uh, nation with resources of sermons and teaching materials and discipleship materials that's accessed by so many inmates on a daily basis. And we're really pumped uh, to know the people who are running that organization. And last year, just to give you a point of reference, I'm really, what, what, what are we talking here? Are we talking, how much money are we, we talking about here? Last year on Above and Beyond Sunday, just the weekend of Above and Beyond, $3 million was given through our house. And then in the above and beyond season, which, which ended uh, maybe a month ago, uh, because some people needed to give their above and beyond gift a few months later in the fall when an investment came through, um, the above and beyond giving was uh, almost $5 million total for last year. Cool. And so, um, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being so generous. Um, that allows us to stockpile money in D.C. for a future location, which we pray about every single week. And uh, one of these knocks on the door, whether we're knocking or they're knocking on our door, is going to be the right one. And we're going to take a bold step there to have a place we can call our own. Yeah. So we're going to put a lot of this money into that fund again this year so that we'll be ready. Some of the money is going to go into the At Trillith Fund because there's a lot of things going to happen here in the next year or two. But a lot of it, we're talking... Uh, millions of dollars we want to invest in these organizations. We want to uh, give needle-moving gifts, if we can, yeah. uh, to people who are praying today. Lord, we're trying to serve these people, serve this community, meet this need. Will you provide for us? And God is already, uh, I think, providing for them through what he's going to say to you and he's going to say to me. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you uh, one other really kind of pointed question. So the, the scripture is very clear. The love of money is the root of all evil. <laughs> I'm asking this to a CEO of a wealth CFO. management creation <laughs> firm whose job it is is to make money. Uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. We know that it doesn't say money is the root of all evil, but the love of money. In another place, it says the desire to, for those who desire to get rich, they fall into many temptations. Mm -hmm. Some translations say into many traps. So you live in this ecosystem of uh, people who are, a lot of them want to get rich. And um, that's why they're coming to you because their goal in life is to get rich. And you're in this ecosystem of wealth. How, how do you balance your role and the value of God's word, mm -hmm. the warning of God's word? Yeah, well, you have to stay in the word first of all, um, because otherwise you fall into the trappings of the world. Um, and I think Cobb said it in the video. Um, you can search high and low everywhere for comfort and for peace. You won't find it outside of Jesus. Mm. And, and he tried. He tried. Um, so money won't provide it. Uh, money itself isn't evil, and, and, but the scripture does say, and I was having this conversation with a, a wise friend and woman in this house, and the scripture's very clear. It is, it's the love of money that's mm -hmm. the root of evil. Money is necessary. Money can be enormously good. It can be a blessing, and it will be a blessing for all of these partner agencies. It is a blessing that we are sitting here in Trillith, um, in this location, thanks to the above and beyond gifts of the past few years. Um, I, the only way to wrestle with it is to stay in the word, um, truly, and to remember that nothing 
I have nothing. I have received nothing apart from him. Um, and the opportunity we have to use that money to actually help others see the word, help others know Jesus. Um, I get excited about money being good. Uh, when I keep my eyes focused on all the ways in which it can be used to give it back to the Lord, what was already his, I have, it is already his to begin with, to give my time away, to give my life away, to give the money away, um, then I actually can see where the opportunity I have to be in the world I'm in is a gift itself. Um, and it is the way in which I steward the gifts I have to, in fact, use it to return it in worship to the Lord. Um, we want to move into the city. We want to move into the city in, in every way we can. Billy and I both do. Um, we think there's an opportunity for us to continue to um, not take ourselves away from the city, not create lives of comfort, not to use money to uh, make ourselves sort of more distant from um, all the dark places where people might not want to go. Um, we actually think there's an opportunity and enjoy the opportunity to kind of get into the grittiness of the city. Um, Billy leads a ministry for homeless men downtown. Um, you know, nothing will make sure you keep your head more balanced than leading a ministry for, or a, a Bible study, I should say, for homeless men every week. Um, that's a real counterbalance to the world um, that I work in every day. I don't ever want to close my eyes to that. I want us to be a part of that. Um, I want us to dive right into it, move closer to it, and be drawn into it. Yeah, I think we want to encourage people in our house that have the gift of wealth creation and not say, oh my goodness, that's terrible that you make so much money. We want to say, wow, you're obviously gifted to make money. Um, that's God's gift in your life. Um, we just want to encourage them that your fulfillment's going to come when you use that money yeah. for purposes that build people up and leave places better than you found them. And um, I love it. And if you're one of those people in our house, we just want to applaud you. Um, you know, you make money. You wake up, you make money. You, you, every deal you do, you make money. You just have, I, you just make, that's you. So you know that guy I'm talking about or that lady that I'm talking about? Whatever they do, it just works. And um, so thank you for coming to Passion City Church. We're glad that you found us and <laughs> we're glad that you have that particular gift. A lot of you got in the mail, or hopefully you did, um, this Above and Beyond book. Anybody get one of these in the mail this week? Um, awesome. Uh, our team did a phenomenal job. It tells a story. Cobb's story is in here, a lot of stories like Cobb's, but it also tells the, the reach of some of the things that have happened through Passion City Church in the last year, and um, it just gives you a little snapshot of what it's all about. If for some reason you did not get one of these, they're at all three locations today, and you can get one on the way out. Just ask one of the door holders, and they'll point you in the right direction. Allison, what do you want us as a, as a church to be doing in, the, in these last few days to, to be prepared for Above and Beyond Sunday? Uh, I want us to remember God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, it's not, you might feel a little stress, and, and we do. You and Shelly wrestled with it last week. We're wrestling with it of, you know, what, what does that look like, especially in a season like this, especially when the headlines do want to create fear and concern. Um, and money is stressful. Um, it is known to be the biggest stressor. Um, but I, I would ask us not just to focus on money, focus on giving our lives away. Yeah. What does that look like for each of us? Um, and that God loves a cheerful giver. Um, how do we think about just opening our hands and really living our lives with those open hands? Everything we have that passes through, it's from Him. It's meant to pass through, not to hold on to. It won't bring us any comfort. It won't bring us any 
greater peace. It really doesn't. In fact, it often brings us greater stress. So to give what he's, to, to release wow. what he's given to us back to him to be used. And again, beyond just money, but in our lives um, and the way in which we live our lives and go about it every day. Um, I would just ask us to wrestle with it a bit this week. Um, it, be in prayer, be on your knees, be thinking about it. And, and don't run from the wrestling, you know, really kind of lean into the wrestling. Um, that's the Lord, that's the Holy Spirit on your heart asking you to wrestle with him because he's got bigger plans for you than you ever will have for yourself. Yeah, can we just say thank you to Allison for um, sharing her life, her wisdom and her story Thanks. with us today. <laughs> I'm going to ask her to pray for us, and I, I really just want to make sure we don't rush past this moment. And so I'm going to give you a moment just to be still before the Lord. And you're like, you know, I, I, don't, I didn't come to church today to hear about y'all's above and beyond thing. I came because I need encouragement. I need a word from God. I, need, I needed an experience with God today. But what we all need more than anything today is to be in the will of God. That's what all of us need more than any other thing is to be in the will of God. Cobb said at the end of the video, I turn my back on God, but God never turned his back on me. And so what, what is prayer? Prayer is just turning your face toward God. Just turning your face toward God, knowing that his face is toward you. And letting the first thing maybe of the prayer be that God speaks to you. He already knows what's on your list. He already knows what you need. He already knows what you're facing. He already knows what challenges are in your story. He already knows what the difficulty is, where the gap is. He already knows that. He knows what miracle you need already. It's just you maybe just posturing yourself today to say, God, I'm here. What do you want to say to me? What do you want for me? Because I want to be in your will. So let's just wait for a moment on him. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us. And then Allison's going to pray for us as a house. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.